The business model is simply just a picture, an articulation of how you create value, who you're creating it for and what it costs to create it. How do I generate revenue and who from? What are my costs to do that? Who am I using to create those products? And therefore, what's profit left over because I'm creating value? Welcome to the Brand Transformation Show by Blurt, where we unpack what it takes to transform organizations through technology, leadership, and creativity. Welcome to the Brand Transformation Show by Blurt. I'm your host, Craig. And as always, I'm joined by brand expert and founder of Blurt, Stuart Leo. How are you today? Always great, Craig. Always. Very good. Hey, I... I was reading this on the news this morning that they have... <laughs> is this like when... <laughs> I'm hearing a curveball coming yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, that's straight up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is not scripted. I was reading on the news this morning that um, they've wound the doomsday clock back 100 seconds just to let people know how imminent, like, destruction of the earth is <laughs> if, you know, and they have all these, like, um, variables that, that they measure yeah. uh, against whether it's, like, you know, nuclear war or volatility yep. of, you know... Um, relationships between countries, et cetera, et cetera, climate change, that type of thing. And yeah. just, I was thinking about our trends uh, mm. and, <clears throat> and uh, it's, in, it's interesting because it's the closest we've ever been, they said, it's the closest we've ever been to destruction and disaster um, discuss. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've tuned in for a talk on brand, <laughs> brand and new. strategy and uh, we've just gone totally <laughs> off. No, no. Well, we, we talked about volatility as um, one of the big trends. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, we're, we're in Australia. We've certainly experienced volatility, bushfires, floods. Um, and, and look. Um, Australia was definitely an example that they were using as to yeah. you know, the effects of, um, yeah. of climate change, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, the, these are our external forces on our, on our marketplace, which do affect well, they do. Businesses. <clears throat> Absolutely. I mean, I've got clients affected by all of those things. Um, we've been affected by all of those things. They do affect us. Um, this, <laughs> this, could, this could go south no, very fast. We don't have to. We don't have to. Well, I think the only thing to say, all right, if, if we're running a business um, uh, and, 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 and the best advice I've ever heard is, um, you know, plan plan for volatility. So if, if you're if you're holding cash for a bad day, um, hold cash for two bad days. Mm. Um, that's that's the probably the simplest method. Um, I, I don't think these things are going to go away in the near future. I don't think, um, you know, who, who am I to even say that? Um, I'm not a climate expert. I'm not mm. a scientist. You, you do have to listen to the scientists and the experts talk and and there's a there's a broad range of views here and what, what, what are we going to do? Um, do we have problems in the climate? Yes, we do. Um, do we have challenges on how that's affecting Western society? Absolutely. On one side, yes, we, we need to address really sensible issues to um, steward the world, steward the earth, make this place a better place. On the other hand, we've constructed a society that um, – expects that every day I get out of bed should be a good day for me. Mm. And um, there's a – there's a um, so I'm going to get on my soapbox right okay, now. All right, here we go. And this is going to cost me, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've lost some resilience. We've lost some ability to cope with the difficult. Um, and, and I have a theory on this. All right, let's so this, hear it. This, it is. this is going totally okay, off, okay. Off, off script. Yeah. So if you look at the news media – the news media has, through the disruption of digital, 
and this slightly relates to what we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about today, business models. The news media gets ratings through live events. So sport or great news. Mm. The news media doesn't really get that much traction on deep, thought-out, intellectual um, journalism. Yeah. You get that through streaming and other methods. You need instant gratification. Yeah. So we've got this news media infrastructure that is scrambling for revenue and ratings to compete against the the streaming um, services to, to find their relevance in the world. And so when something happens... I think that thing that's happening is getting exacerbated because the news media says, great, chance for ratings. Mm. So suddenly something that was maybe important is now super important. Sensationalised to the point of hysteria or whatever. So let's just look at Australia. Mm. Australia um, had some terrible, horrific bushfires, still have, Um, had some cracker dust storms. Are they things we've not had in the past? And please don't shoot me down. I'm not being a climate denier. Um, No, they're not. So go back 30, 40 years and we've had massive bushfires, massive problems. Go back 10 years, less than 10 years, we lived through Mm. the Queensland floods. Mm. Around 80% of Queensland was underwater during the Queensland floods. Now, Queensland is about a quarter of the size of Australia and Australia is about the size of the United States. Mm. So just get that picture about how much of Queensland was underwater and, and how much water flowed into Australia in the 2011 floods. And we didn't have the sensationalism and the drama. We had, we had horrific scenes, houses going under and businesses going under and... <clears throat> uh, you know, I, we all lived through it. It was it was terrible. We also had great character come alive. The mud army, mm. it, it came to life. People were cleaning up streets and working together in communities and and we saw the classic things that happened. Property prices plummet in those streets for a six to 12 months and 12, 18 months later, suddenly they've bounced back mm. and people want to live in those streets again. Why? Because people have short memories. But those 211 floods quite different to the 219, 220 fires that we've seen in southern New South Wales and, and parts of New South Wales. And both were horrific. Both were terrible. Um, the, the 74 floods, the, the 1970s fires, the, the things that happened to Australia are all terrible. But our news media somehow this time around has got the worst of the worst news out in the fastest possible, biggest way mm. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't care about those issues, but somewhere our resilience and character has disappeared and our ability to go, yeah, that's bad and here's how we overcome. Instead, we go, that's bad, let's, let's wallow in our badness. And, and that has a commercial effect. Billions wiped off tourism. Nations all around the world looking at Australia going, too scary to go there. I've been on video conferences with people in the Middle East and they'll say to me, oh, are you okay? I'm, I'm like, we're fine. <laughs> it's beautiful blue sky outside. Yeah. Those fires are over a thousand kilometres away and they're terrible and they're horrible. But you know what? That's like for you, that's three countries away. Mm. So just get a sense of what's going on inside this country. 
But in their mind, mm. the perception is Australia is on fire. No, a certain part of Australia is being affected by bushfires. So I think the news media has a responsibility to be a citizen of Australia, to stand up and fight and show the bad news and raise the money and be a part of the recovery, but don't don't make something um, into something it's not and wallow in the badness. You find the goodness in it and tell that story so that actually the, the community, the people have a chance to stand up and recover like we have done for hundreds if not thousands of years in this country. So we should wind the doomsday clock just forward just a little bit like <laughs> yeah that not maybe not as much as what they what so, they suggested and what's this got to do like this like, there is actually a segue here because like the yeah, market's the same that's the, right like, the, the market is the same for everybody mm. right like mm. the the external forces are fairly consistent for everybody um what we do with what we do with our climate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not i'm not talking about environmental at this Point. No, I'm talking no. about yeah, commercial. What we do with it um, is is where the advantage comes. Well, true, and also you know how we manage it. And and, and the point I want to pick up on is I think um, some changes in industries, business model changes, disruptions to industry have affected how we're reporting and communicating some of these issues. Mm. And that's, to me, that's the segue because today we're talking about question five in our seven-question model. Excellent. And that was only 10 minutes in. <laughs> that's if you're still listening and haven't gone. <laughs> <laughs> Who are these guys? <laughs> and, and question five, and this, this will make sense. The, you'll get the connection here. What is our business model? Is it creating value? What metrics tell us this? And what practices reinforce value creation through our competitive advantages? That's a massive question. Mm. Just, just to fold back a sec to give context, what's our seven-question model? Um, our seven-question model is this. We, we believe in brand as character. Brand is the, the heart, soul, spirit, mind, body of an organisation. It is who you is. It is who you is. Do you mm. like that? It is who you are. <laughs> write that down. Um, put, put your little brand in the middle, but how do we connect who we are, what we stand for, why we're different into reality, into execution? How do we close that gap? And we close that gap by asking and answering seven questions. So you could grab a bit of paper, you could draw a little stick figure, <clears throat> which is how we think about brand. You draw a circle around that and then you could draw six pieces of a pie. So draw a big circle and then slice it up into six pieces of, of the puzzle. A bit like a trivial pursuit mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. if you've ever played with those puzzles. Yep. And there's, in those six, you put vision, We've talked about what is our vision, is it on purpose, what are our roadblocks, market, what is our market, who's our ideal customer, Um, are we perceived as different, is that competitive advantage. We've talked about strategy, what is our strategy, where's our growth focused, how are we positioned and today we're talking business model and so we've covered three, We're we're on the fourth. Did I say question five at the start? I might have. You actually did. Yeah, well, let's, let's, let's... Question four, what is our business model? Question five is what is our customer's experience? And question six, what is our employee's experience? Some people call that people experience to pick up everybody, mm. but let's just think about that as employee experience. Question seven is, well, once we've asked and answered all those questions, there's probably a hundred things on the whiteboard to do. You can't do all of them. What are the one, two or three things that if done and delivered in the next quarter or a half, shift the needle on the business? Mm. Do that. So that's the seven question model. And that's, we're connecting all the core elements of, of, of our brand, character, 
model we call brand anatomy. Purpose, principles, perceptions, positioning, practices, personality into how you execute. Market, vision, strategy, business model, customer experience, employee experience. And if you do that, you close the gap between who you think you are, who you say you are, and what your customers think Mm. of you. And somewhere in the middle of that three triangle Mm. um, is is the truth. And... um, and so we're, we're, our goal here is to help you be you. Great. Well, so business model then. It's a big part of it. It is a big part uh, of it. Yeah. It's, what is it? What, what, what's a business model? In, in simplest terms, a business model is simply how you articulate the creation of value for your organisation. So um, you can do that through a picture, through a graph, through a chart, through a an equation doesn't really matter. There's some fantastic resources out there, different books. Probably, I think probably what's become one of the industry standards, like the go-to, um, is a great book from Strategizer Group uh, called The Business Model Generation. I think the book's called Business Model Generation, which has the business model canvas. Just Google that. Um, they provide a free one-page um, summary of that canvas and. And they talk about the nine parts of a business model and on that canvas, the ability to move them around. It, to be honest, it doesn't really matter so long as you've got clarity. Um, there are other great books out there that you can go and reference and we might throw a few in the show notes. There's, there's no one exact science to this, a bit like branding. Um, you know, with our model, with, a, with the brand architecture, mm. we use a character, we use a, we use a human model. Why? It just helps turn something that's abstract into something that's objective. What's a business model picture, canvas or framework doing? Taking something that's a bit abstract, turn it into an objective thing that you can work with and, and then adapt, control, change and ask questions around. So, so <clears throat> is, the, is it the articulation of our strategy? No. It's not. It's no. The, so, we're, so we're talking about the articulation, you know, like putting legs, putting, putting flesh on the idea. It's a picture of what you do and how you do it. Right. <clears throat> so um, uh, you, could, you could say, okay, on one hand, typically most business models have three parts. Um, one part being how we support customers and bring money into our business and the other part how we make or do things and spend money that we can create or produce to sell to those customers and then sitting underneath that, financial layer to go how do we how do we account for that understand that report on that so so budget logistics all that type of stuff are all part of a business model yeah you know if you can think back to business school i remember i remember my last year of university um my my professor of strategic marketing's 20 something years ago now standing up and it was like the last lecture before you graduate Mm. and he and he goes i cannot leave anything more important with you than this simple statement. I can't wait. (laughs) And he wrote up on the whiteboard, he goes, R minus C equals P. And he goes, you don't need to think about anything other than making sure that adds up. Revenue minus costs equals profit. And a business model is just a fancy way of explaining how you do that. How do we get revenue, how do we manage costs, how do we make profit? So our business model is the articulation of 
R minus C equals P. Exactly. That's it. Um, it's really simple. And so every organisation, whether you're for-profit or not-for-profit, has a way of articulating how do we generate revenue. If you're a not-for-profit, that's what's our donation model. If you're a for-profit, what's our product and pricing model? What's our operating model, i.e. how do we create the things that people want to donate to or buy and how do we manage those two sides of the house so that we can generate a surplus or a profit at the mm. end of the day. <clears throat> so, um, so what sort of things do we need to ask ourselves to know whether or not we've got an effective business model? Like well, what, what are the things that we need to start? Yeah, so th- this is where um, depending on your industry you'll find different canvases or models that um, are pre-made that can work for you. So if, if, you're, um, if you're thinking about um, the, the revenue side, you're going to be thinking about what customers am I going after? Um, how do I manage those customers? So, and as I'm managing those customers, what, what channels or, or areas of distribution am I going to use to get my product to those customers? So this, this is why there is a segue from what we were talking about at the start. Digital disruption across news and, and media means that there's less news to talk about because people get it on their phones. Um, therefore, when something really important happens, let's get our ratings back. So let's make a big deal of it. Mm. Um, so if, if, we're a, if we're a news organisation and we run a – let's say we, we're in our country – Channel 7. Cool. Who's our customer? Well, we've got an audience. Mm. Um, let's say it's dominated by the, the female age 25 to 54. Cool. Um, we want a particular audience and we want to maximise that audience because what do we sell? Well, we actually sell ads on airtime. That's how we create revenue. So what product? What's it, what are our products? In, in the commercial sense, we sell a product – that is access, access to an audience. And that access is, is objectified through a 30-second spot or a 15-second spot in a, in a television program. So, okay, we've got to create content or buy content that can we can put that product into that people will want to pay a lot for. Therefore, why, why will they pay a lot for it? Because it gets to lots of their customer. Okay, so we need a big audience. So over on the... The revenue side, we've got a customer segment, females 25, 54. Um, <clears throat> we are a channel for people, so our product is is about creating that connection with that customer. Now, we've either got to make the content or we've got to buy the content. So, all right, what do women age 25, 54 want to buy? Let's go, okay, cool, all right. Well, it's really expensive to buy that. Um because that's, that's going to have licensing and is it more expensive to buy it or is it more expensive to make it? So one of the things that is a hero of any you know, news organisation is, is, the, is the morning news. Mm-hmm. Um, so so <clears throat> what gets eyeballs on television today is not pre-made content. Why? Because I get that from Netflix or Disney or Apple. Mm. So I'm not watching television for my... Program. So the news organisation has gone, oh, gosh, we're losing audience there. We need to get audience. Therefore, what gets an audience? News and sport, current affairs, things that are happening now because I can't stream that. That has to be live to yes. you. 
So this is my point. Um, I think news is getting over-news and, and therefore creating hysteria. Um, why? Because they're trying to claw back audience. And, yeah. and so the business model of a news organisation is on one hand saying, we've got to talk to that audience, that's our customer. How are we going to have a relationship? Well, it's through the, the people on these, on these news programs. How are we going to generate revenue by selling access and advertising space to that? And ultimately, you know, as they go through that process, the question they're asking is, are we creating value for our customer? Correct. The, the summation of everything we sell out to our customer and everything that costs to produce it and the quality of that product ultimately delivers a, a value proposition. Mm-hmm. Am I going to choose to watch Channel 7 Sunrise on, of a morning or Channel 9 Today Show? What's the value out of doing either one of those things? And, and it might be an emotional connection to the presenter. It might be I know what I'm going into today or might be the gossip so I can talk around the water cooler, whatever that value proposition is. But ideally that value proposition between what you take to customers and what you create on the operational side, that should create a unique value proposition. So, you know, in in news or media like a Channel 7, they would have had a value proposition that was around, well, watch us because we give you the best entertainment. Um, And suddenly your Netflix comes along and says, well, we don't need – we don't need to be a – a channel, st- a, a, a channel in, in Australia to reach an Australian audience, we've got this prepackaged content that we can actually send to anybody in the world. So why don't you, you, why don't you buy our service and we'll give you entertainment whenever you want it, as mm. much as you want, whatever you like, you choose. Um, we'll charge you a small fee for that, but you won't have to watch ads and you get what you want when you want it. And so the value proposition of Netflix is in stark contrast to the value proposition of, okay, I'm, I'm going to decide what women aged 25 to 54 want to watch at 7pm on a Wednesday night and they're all going to watch it because I want them all to watch it because I want my advertisers to reach them. Does that make sense? Yeah, and what, and what you know, Netflix and other, live stream, uh, other streaming services have done is they've analysed trends, they've predicted where the market's going to go or whatever, and jumped on the jumped on it first, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, I was actually hearing, and we, we've used Blockbuster as a good example in the past, but I was hearing someone just reminded of it again that Blockbuster and Netflix were both video hire companies. Correct. Right? Yep. One decided to go online, the other one didn't. Yes. Um, and, you know, fast forward. Yeah. Very quickly, actually, Netflix, you know, became... Not without taking risks and adapting yep. and changing their business model. So a business model is is simply a picture, something you can draw on a page mm-hmm. to say, this is who we talk to, this is how we're going to talk to them, this is what they're going to buy, this is how we're going to create revenue, this is um, the activities we need to do as a business to make those things customers are going to buy, these are the resources we're going to need, this is the cost structure we're going to run, these, these might be partners or... Um, suppliers we need and and the culmination of all of those things creates a value proposition and so you can be in the same industry serving the same customer but have a different business model and therefore create different competitive advantage mm. and so I think what the last 10 15 years of <clears throat> of industry has done has made people really aware that if they don't understand and if their teams don't understand how they create value then they can't adapt quickly enough because they actually don't know what they're adapting from and to. Mm-hmm. And, and then so, obvi- obviously, so you've got to 
you got to measure that then, right? How do I, like, what are the things, how do we measure if we're actually creating that value? And how, like, what are some of the things that we, well, we need to <clears throat> obviously look your classics. At. Yeah, you know, are we making money or not? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I think the the important thing. So the question is, <clears throat> the question we're asking: What is our business model? Yeah. And and a lot of organisations that are that are unclear about what they're doing are unclear about their business model. <clears throat> in that they may not have thought it through, or they may not have actually, in thinking it through, realised that oh, actually. I'm still playing in an old 20th century mindset. I haven't adapted that into the new world. How how am I leveraging digital? And I'm not talking about having a website or a social media presence. How are you changing distribution or identifying new customer types or getting smarter about this or digitising products so that they're now not tangible but intangible? How are you doing all of those things to take advantage of the great infrastructure changes of the last 15 years? And do you really think your business model is well-tuned to be low-cost, high-value and therefore great returns? Mm. So, and, and does your team understand that? Does your team understand the relationship between how you operate, how you talk to a customer and the impact on brand? And, and invariably they don't um, because you may not. And if you don't, <laughs> guaranteed your teams don't. They might, they might have a different picture of that business model in there. They might value that function of the business a whole lot more than another function and, and that will disrupt it. So getting clear on, on what the business model really is and what creates value, what really drives the value proposition. So for example, let's, you know, the great, great example of business model innovation in, in the early 2000s was, was Skype, um, now owned by Microsoft. Skype said, well, what do people want? What's the value? I want to, I want to call anybody anywhere in the world, um, but I don't want to pay international call rates. So they said, well, hang on a minute. We could do that with a low-cost structure because if we use data networks, not copper and other major infrastructure networks, well, we could take a billion dollars off the overheads and do this quite differently. And what's the value to the customer? Well, it's not going to cost them $3 a minute, it's actually going to be free. And so the first Skype calls um, were free. And and today you can still get free Skype calls or you can get free WhatsApp or free whatever. And and, yeah. and their business model innovation said, well, hang on a minute, um, we don't need to be leveraging you, your big infrastructure. We, we can change our cost structure, which reinforces a value proposition, which opens up different customer segments. And so as a picture of a business model, they were, they were able to change one or two things in the traditional communications business model and invent and disrupt. And so invariably digital and, and, and the world of technology is, is the avenue to do that, but it's not always that. Mm. Just, it doesn't always have to be that. It's interesting because a, a lot of companies would have really solid, stable business models that actually work. Mm-hmm. Um, so why change? Mm-hmm. I'll, give you an, I'll give you an example. I just remember, you know, years ago having conversations with um, clients that were still advertising in yellow pages because it worked, it, it always worked, blah, blah, blah. They're still trying to figure out whether or not websites, you know. Yeah. Because it, it, it's worked for the last 15 years. Why won't it work in the future? Why won't it work in the future and not actually necessarily seeing that 
that trend. So an, an external competitor or whatever comes in and sees something differently. How do I see in my own business whether or not my model's robust into the future, not just what has worked? But Yeah, that's a great question. And the first first step in that is actually stepping back and going, okay, can I map my business model? Do I have clarity in what it is? Yep. Um, then um, let's actually start looking at that and asking questions. We're a professional service firm. What if we changed how we distributed our knowledge? What would that do? Oh, that might create a new customer. That that might deliver something that normally costs $2,000 to get and maybe it's only $500 to get or $100 to get. But if we change that, maybe maybe we could sell that online and now there's, gosh, now there's millions of people that would be in our market segment, not maybe a 1,000 businesses. Does that make sense? Mm. So I think you've got to start asking questions and you've got to start running scenarios and going, what if? You've got to start looking at the outliers and the edge of your marketplace. So you'd almost approach it as a, not a side project, but like as a new business um, opportunities type of thing rather than sort of, yeah. would that be a way that you would start to tackle it without kind of going, okay, we're going to go in and we're going to completely disrupt our entire business model. We're just going to go, hey, what are other avenues that we could be taking? And they may actually in turn end up being the business model. Of course. Yeah, which is um, how most most big businesses innovate their way out of um, uh, out of the, their problems. So um, it, it's highly disruptive to go and blow up your existing business model and watch hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> you know, disappear. You're just going to change it next week. <laughs> that's not going to help. But, I mean, that's why um, creating um, startups on the side, um, funneling investments into new ideas, purposefully um, buying businesses that disrupt other parts of your business. You know, that we, we often quote the big brands because that helps people relate. But Steve Jobs was very famous for saying, well, I know the iPhone business is going to blow up the iPod business and that's a good thing because the iPhone business is better than the iPod business. Mm. And and so the, the, the role of innovation um, – uh, ought to be to say, gosh, if we allow ourselves to be comfortable and rest on those competitive advantages when we can see in the short to midterm that that's not good enough, then we've got to set about the process of, of adaption and change. And and so if you're a big business, yeah, you've got time and resources to go and do that, but you've also got a big ship that's hard to move. Yeah. If you're a smaller business, you've really got opportunities to, to play and pivot and – and so the first the first part is saying, well, what is our current business model? Go and grab a way of understanding business models um, and just put your business through it. Step back and start asking questions. I guarantee you the first time you do that, you'll go, yeah, that's not the smartest way of doing that. And so this, as part of the seven questions, it's actually about forcing you to ask and answer, what is our business model? Mm-hmm. We haven't even got to the other parts of the question, which are huge. So we, we might even um, break this up into a few parts. Yeah, sounds um, good. Uh, well, what are the other parts? Well, so the other parts of the question is, well, is it creating value? Is that part of the business model creating value? Mm-hmm. How does it support value creation? And, and what metrics tell us that? And, and then how do we reinforce that value? by building on those competitive advantages. And that's actually quite scientific. There's actually a mathematical formula to that, believe it or not. Uh-huh. 
Um, so I think I think we should actually almost pull this up because that that's that's got a lot in yeah. in this episode. But we're gonna we're gonna do a part two. So we'll, um, we'll come back and tackle the rest of that then um, next week. So what's the big idea out of this episode? That would be that's a great question to ask. <laughs> <laughs> question five is all about what is my business model? Do you understand it? What is a business model? A business model is <laughs> question five. <laughs> Thirty-two. So, what is the big idea all of, it, of this episode? Question four is all about what is my business model and, and how does it create value. So, what is a business model? A business model is simply just a picture, an articulation of how you create value, who you're creating it for, and what it costs to create it. And um, at its very simplest form, it's how do I generate revenue and who from? What are my costs to do that? And who am I using to get to, to create those products? And therefore. What's profit left over because I'm creating value? Uh, somebody wants to pay something for that. You can go and get books and resources on this. Just Google it. There's dozens. It's it's a very very popular trendy topic right now. Um, I don't care which resource you use. There's there's many that are very very good. The one that you suggested at the start, the Canvas Business Canvas, Business Model Canvas. Yep, um, yep. would be a really great. I think that'd be a great one to get. It's a great place to start. There's heaps of resources, heaps of videos. Yeah. Heaps There's like free PDFs and stuff like that online. Yeah, get online, Google. go and get it. Um, that's, a, that's a good starting point. Um, more importantly, um, you know, and I'll, I'll leave with this, why this is so important um, and this will segue into our next episode. Um, I remember working in a corporation at, at the exact level and when market forces created disruption, GFCs and the like, we didn't fully understand what created value across the country and in all the different areas of the business so that when it came time to make decisions quickly and effectively on what to do or what not to do just to save costs and restructure the business, we cut too much value out of that business. Yeah, okay. And, and so if you don't understand what's creating value, then you will suck the life out of it and that's a slow death. So this has real and genuine impacts because when you know what creates value, you'll die in a ditch to save that customer to deliver that value. When you don't understand what's creating value through your business model, you'll go, well, that's just, that's just a cost structure. That's just a – we've got to get rid of that cost. Let's do that, which is why there's so much um, dissonance often between the revenue side of a business, sales, marketing – um, and the production side of a business, operations, R&D, whatever it might be, and, and suddenly GFCs happen and what's the first thing that disappears? Marketing or R&D budgets. Boom. Um, suddenly we're no longer asking the questions that create value and, and we're just surviving. Yes, things need to change, but if you don't understand what you're changing, how you're changing, you start throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, that's actually fascinating. We should actually pick that one up on the next episode because I've got some questions around that one, but we will we will wrap it up here. Um, as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you, Stu. I've <laughs> uh, heard about you know media hysteria and, and all sorts of stuff on this episode. If you want to join in the conversation around that or any other uh, topic, you can contact us on Twitter at blurt underscore loud. And um, hey, jump on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts these days. Uh, give us a five-star review. Um, that would be amazing and um, if you want to know more about the services that we offer you can visit our website blurt.co